0: Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to Sound United Presents, a diverse and inclusive podcast focused on local entrepreneurs, professionals, and unsung community heroes. Within each episode, our guests will candidly share their stories filled with triumph, failures, humor, lessons learned, insight, and some nuggets of wisdom. I'm very excited about this, and I hope you are too. Let's get started. Hey, folks, thank you for hitting the play button. Welcome to another edition of Sound United Presents being produced here in the friendly confines of sound united podcast studio i'm your host deshaun scott and making this sound crispy and pleasant to your ears is kimberly gonzalez aka kg so as y'all know uh i'm doing this backstory thing to to really introduce the person who uh, i think you should know and who falls under the criteria of our of our mission here at sound united presents so let me give you a little backstory of how i met this gentleman this was 2018 I believe he was doing some work in downtown Warren I don't want to go into all that part of it but he was doing some work to help revitalize the city help the city um native come back and do some work and I was very interested in him and not because of what he was doing more so just due diligence of 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 him itself, like business and as a businessman and wanting the thirst for knowledge, which is all I, you know, which is what I have, <clears throat> because I'm that guy that goes to McDonald's and will tell, ask a bunch of guys at a table. What would you tell yourself or what would you differ, do different in your 40s? Like, that's me. <laughs> and I do it because I just yearn for knowledge become a better sure. person, become a better businessman, better husband, whatever the case may be. And so this gentleman... I really wanted to talk to him, but I'm like, you know, when you think about in my in my lens, you know, he he's way up at the top. And, you know, here I am and he's shaking his head right now. And when you get to know him, he is totally not like what I'm describing. <laughs> and and I'm like, well, I got to get a hold of him. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to do this thing. And so I knew someone in in government. And his name, it came up and I said, well, I'm trying to, I'd like to just get 20 minutes to talk to him. And I'm like, be, be sure. I don't want to talk to him about like, I don't want anything. I'm not, you know, I'm not a, you know, I don't want any funding or nothing like that. I just, I just want to pick his brain. And the person I was talking to was, okay, uh, give me a business card and I got your personal number. Now pass it along to him. And I'm like, okay. And I could tell it was one of those, uh, like red tape things. <laughs> like this is probably not going to happen, yeah. but I got to sit and wait and, you know, maybe and it never happened. So a few weeks went by and I was like, either A, he did it and didn't get, you know, and then the gentleman didn't want to call me or B, this guy never passed on my information. Mm-hmm. So it was February 2019. And I'll never forget this. I'm sitting in the lobby in the chair early in the morning and the very person who I wanted to meet this gentleman in front of me walks right by these big ass windows we got <laughs> in the front. And I sit there and I'm like, that's him. No one, it's 730 in the morning, downtown Warren, hardly anybody, you know, February, hardly anybody's on the sidewalk. He walks down. It was like the perfect storm. Maybe two minutes passed and I still didn't budge to say anything because in my head, I'm like, maybe he really didn't want to be bothered or no, he looked like he on a mission. I don't want to mess with him. And I and I had this feeling. I felt a slap in the back of my head and I heard this this voice say, get your black ass up and go say something to that man. That voice was my grandmother, God rest her soul. There you go. So I go outside and I yell his name, Mr. Marvin, and he doesn't hear me. He keeps walking. I'm like, oh, I almost was like, oh, I tried. Let me go back in. And then I said, no, nah, let me do it one more time. I said, Mr. Marvin, he turns around, he looks, I wave. We come down the sidewalk, we talk. I explain like, hey, I love what you're doing down here. Um, I love to pick your brain as a businessman. You know, I'm trying to grow my business and I seek knowledge to become a better businessman. And then I remember saying, "I'll get a hold of this person again to give my number to them, <laughs> so that they can reach out to you." And I'll never forget this. You, you looked at me. Now I'm gonna look at you and say, "Did you look at me?" Goes. I don't need nobody to come in between no. talking. <laughs> and I kind of looked at you like, what, "What did he just say?" And that was how we met. And we did have that meeting. And I remember looking at my clock because I said, "I only need 20 minutes of your time." And I remember us talking and I'm steadily side eyeing the clock like, OK, it's like 18 minutes. Like I got to wrap this up and pick his brain. And I think we talked for like 30 minutes or Probably something like that. Something and like it, it was yeah. it was a lot of what you told me. You know, I'll never forget that some of and I've used a lot of it. It kind of put me in a better place as a businessman. Um, but that impacted me. And you've you know, this man is since still doing some great things. Um, just one of the most natural, coolest people you can meet. Thanks. And you know, I'm gonna leave it at that and then we'll go into it. But I had to give you all that backstory because I always share that when when I when I talk about him. But ladies and gentlemen, Sound United presents Mr. Mark Marvin. Hi everybody. How you doing, sir? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm well, thanks good. for
1: having me. I really appreciate it. Glad we could get together finally
0: and and, and do this thing. Absolutely, yeah. man. I mean every word I said. I'll never forget no, that I, I remember that. what I was wearing. I think, <laughs> I think you were wearing a uh I oh, think it was a gray sweatshirt. I was just going to say, <laughs> <laughs> gray sweatshirt and some jeans. I do remember that because I was just going to let it, I'm just going to, like, I'm not going to bother him. Like, this is, this is that. <laughs> but no, I appreciate it, man. And um I really do appreciate you being on here because, God, like, me. Yeah, sure. just as we go into this, y'all will understand why, you know, we love doing this show and we love bringing people in front of you and to your ears that you can get to learn more about or just, you know follow and, and, and learn, get a lot of information about them. But I'm going to start off, now that I did that backstory, I'm going to give a little primer and let you take two minutes to kind of talk about yourself a little bit. I know you're very humble. Yeah, Just I don't them, like talking about myself um, very a much. little backstory of Mr. Martin Marvin. Mean, I think the
1: easiest part is I was born and raised in Warren, Ohio, um, not very far from this very building we're sitting in, maybe about five blocks or so, right in downtown Warren went to harding graduated from harding went to kent state so pretty much stayed local um you know through school and uh after school and of course kent's in the uh kent's in the uh in the snow belt so being up there wasn't the biggest prize in the world because i'm not a snow guy other than when the browns are playing other than that i'm not a snow guy so so you know i told my parents i said you know when i'm out i'm moving south so i I did and went south and, and started my career down there and uh and then, uh, got married, uh, not too long after that, uh, to my current, you know, my, my only wife and the one I have now, 32 years. And, um, and we've moved all around from there and just kind of built up, uh, our business together, uh, done our things together and, uh, kind of went from point to point and, you know, and made it work. So that's, that's pretty quick backstory. How
0: about that? That's cool, man. Good. We'll, we'll get into more a little of that. Yeah, sure. But what I really liked was because I know some people who, they've left here Mm -hmm. and it was like Sirenar. i yeah i'm I'm never you know and you know you left here roots are still here and you decided to come back and and do some things
1: yeah i I think one of the the key things and you know i this this comes from my father you know my my father you can go wherever you want to go in in the world and in life okay and you can go you can move overseas you know i have Cousins and stuff that are in Germany, stationed in Germany, they're in the military. And, you know, but the one thing that that he taught me, the one thing he ever he always said to me is never forget where you come from. Mm. That's the key. And if you never forget where you came from, then you'll be grounded. You'll you'll know how to act in situations and you'll act appropriately in situations. So I think that's really for me was the one of the most key things that he ever said to me and taught me was never forget where you came from yeah so when we had a chance to come back and and do a few things we didn't forget where we came from and we came back and and we did a few things
0: i'm glad you did so let's go back a little bit i know you're still young but we gonna we gonna go (laughs) we gonna go back a little more you know growing up in warren i always even you know we had philip walker on here and now he moved to california yeah and you know we were real, we still are close friends and we talked about just growing up in Warren, sure. you know, the little things. You sure. know, I grew up over by the Elm. Well, I was in the housing projects a lot because my grandmother lived mm-hmm. out there, mm-hmm. but I also stayed on Elm Court across from the Greyhound bus station. Yeah. Yeah. And just some of the fond memories of, of just stuff, man, that, that continue to be within me to make me who sure. I am today. Sure. So for you growing up in the valley, we could say Warren, however you want to put mm-hmm. it. Like, what are some memories you have? I mean, you know, we I grew up on Cottage Court, which probably most people don't know where that is. I have you no know. idea where that
1: is. Now, I'm sure you don't. <laughs> <laughs> um and you know, you don't know where Sanitary's dairy is either because that's long gone too. So San, um
0: I remember was that old old Maine? No, Youngstown Road. Yeah, Youngstown Road. I see was it a yellow It was an old it, yellow building. Yeah, it was an old old clay
1: style yellow building. Yeah, okay. So yep, I mean yep. like I said, it was about five blocks from here. But okay. you know, I went to Laird Avenue and I think, you know, for me the memories I, I was brought up playing baseball. You know, my dad was throwing fastballs at me when I was five years old, so that's that's how I came up. And, you know, I think back then it's a little different than you see today, but you know, my best memories were just especially on Saturdays and stuff like that, you know, watch little cartoons in the morning, right? And then you grab your baseball bat, your balls, your glove and literally tell your mom, I'm out of here. You know, okay. Where are you going? So we we're going down to Perkins Park. We're going up Laird Avenue. You know, got 50 cents, maybe a dollar. If you're lucky in your pocket, you go up to Carmen's Pizza and you get like, you know, back then it was you slice of pizza for 10 cents, extra cheese for one cent. Okay. So 11 cents <laughs> for a piece of pizza. So we go play ball most all day. You know, we'd be at Perkins Park all day. And of course you got to be home when the street lights come on. Yeah. And so for me, that was that was really life growing up. I mean, we, we ate, breathed, and, and slept baseball. That's what we did, you know, and, and it was fantastic. And the neighborhood was good. You know, I grew up in a neighborhood where most of the kids were my age. So we had, I mean, we could put a football team together on each side. You know, when we got together and played football. That's how many kids were in the neighborhood. So for me, it was all about growing up in that neighborhood and and, you know, Bonding with those people that were there, and they all, they were there, you know, mostly for life. You know, that we, we grew up together, went to school together, we walked the tracks to Harding together. You know, when I, when I grew up, I'd walk through the backyard, go to the tracks, hit the tracks, and go, you know, walk to Harding. That's how I got to school. Wow. So, different world back then, a little bit, I think. Though. Well,
0: you said baseball, cause, mm-hmm. You know, for, for me growing up, it was, it was rough and tumble in football. Oh yeah. Like oh, nobody yeah. wanted mm-hmm. to play base. I liked baseball, mm-hmm. but nobody I hung out with wanted to play baseball. Yeah. yeah. We, we would play this game. Called, I remember we, every now and then we play Indian ball, mm-hmm. which was, you know, you hit the ball, you, they stand the bat up and you got oh, yeah. to roll hit the bat. You mm-hmm. know, that was it. Other than that, it was just rough and tumble. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. drove me crazy. And until I moved to St. Louis and grew up there, that's yeah. when baseball that's was. That's baseball like, city <laughs> right there. Yeah. And yeah. then I would mm-hmm. go down there and say, Hey, y'all want to play football? They'd be like, we play baseball. And you play baseball like, in St. Oh, okay, Louis. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Here we go. Oh uh, yeah. Um. So you went to so you went to Laird School. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And what were the schools you went to like just coming up? And of course you went to Harding too. None of my schools
1: are there anymore. That's surprised. So There's I memories, went
0: to man. I went to Laird Avenue. It's gone. Uh, they they
1: you know Wrecking Ball took it down. Then I went to East Junior. Wrecking Ball took it down. And then I went to Harding after that and Wrecking Ball took it. <laughs> What'd you do, <laughs> so, man? Like,
0: I don't know. I left a bad trail all the way through. <laughs> Interesting. So Larrett is now a community garden. Yes, that's correct. And mm-hmm. uh I, I'm over there a lot because my wife, you know, she's in a whole community. She's sure. in the garden thing now. Good, it's good. Well, it's yeah. a great thing mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, I never <laughs> want to eat another tomato. Oh, uh, I'm sure uh, that yeah, <laughs> it can get old. <laughs> um do you have so growing up, you know, going through the middle school and that, mm-hmm. you know, you played sports. I mean, is there some impactful, like any any cool things that happened within that time? Any cool teachers? Like my fourth grade teacher still stays with me today, Mr. Mm-hmm. um because mm-hmm. some of the values he instilled in sure, me. Sure, sure. Um, him knowing that I was the only I was the only black kid in the school, but, right? You know, yeah. s- treated very well. That's good. But yeah. but you know are there any things that happened in that that space yeah, that unfortunately most of the teachers i had are dead too yeah.
1: <laughs> so well, <yeah. laughs> i am getting older deshaun so but no i think you know when you you come up through i think you know impacting my i swam for four years in high school and uh coach pancik was my was my coach he's in the hall of fame here and locally and um, you know he had a pretty big impact he was also my economics teacher um so I was around him a lot with you know with all of that and and so he um you know he had a big impact and I always tell the story you know when when we got indi- inducted into the um the uh, alumni hall of fame one of the things that everybody laughs about is you know a teacher that did actually have a pretty big impact on me was uh sue kindleberger and I tell the story and people they laugh about it, like that's one of your memories really and and it's a funny memory i mean i was when I grew up, I was a jokester, you know, we we ran, we did a lot of stuff. And so the very first day of school, 10th grade, uh, English, um, I had disappearing ink. And so I shot it on the guy that was sitting next to me, okay? He freaked out because he had ink all over, but it was disappearing ink, right? Just as I was doing it, she walked into class. I got kicked out of class, okay? First day, boom, out. I had to sit outside in the hallway, wait for class to get done, then I had to come in. So my parents always told all my teachers, you know, whenever I went to class, class, they they knew who I was. You know, my parents knew me, so they knew. They said, look, call us if something happens. You can give it to him, and he'll get it when he gets home. Okay, that's what they told everybody. Mm, So sure enough, she called my parents. So for the rest of the year, I had to go into class and move the seat all the way back in the corner because, as she deemed it, I was not capable of functioning with the rest of the class. So I went through all the 10th grade English like that. Okay. And it's a good, you know, and I hated English, to be honest with you. And, uh, but I realized like going through school, you need English. You know, you, you have to be able to communicate and speak with people. But not only that, you have to be able to write. You know, you have to be able to put your thoughts on paper. You have to be able to communicate through professional letters and things of that sort. So, it had a pretty big impact on me once I started realizing how important it is when you get to a professional level and you get to a profession, you have to have that. So, people laugh at it like you like the lady that kicked you out of class. I'm like, well, it was my fault. So <laughs> I'm I going to say
0: <laughs> she busted
1: you she busted you. me big time. Yeah, but it, it was all good. And so I think those two probably had the largest impact. And okay. I still talk to Coach Spansik, um, you know, on a regular basis. He was in town up to about a year ago, and then he moved to be closer to um, one of the kids. And uh, we still talk, though. We still text. We still talk. Um, nice. Uh, so, you know, we still keep. We keep a pretty good close relationship nice. between the two of us. Yeah.
0: What was your favorite subject in in school? Math and science. Oh, the two that I dreaded, man. Did you really? Oh, oh man, I ate it up. I love it. Man. Social studies. To, to this day, I, I remember our kids when they started getting into that math that mm. was a foreign language. I said, <laughs> go talk to your mom when it comes to decimals <laughs> and fractions. When you get to that point. Come to me for English, social studies, and geography. Go. I you got go. you. <laughs> yeah, cause math, actually math made me change my major. I, um, I took an accounting class. Oh, okay. And I was arguing with the teacher about, uh, debits and credits because it's different it is right yeah, it's backwards math that's and i'm what like I call. Yeah. i'm like mm-hmm. no that doesn't make any sense and, mm-hmm. and then we had to do like the corporate stuff oh, and so when i went yeah. to Hiram dude i changed my whole major yeah, I was like, i'm not, not going it. through <laughs> i'm not going through that oh yeah so on the subject of college i talked hiring but mm-hmm. but you you know you graduate mm-hmm. you go off to college in kent mm-hmm. and you major in architecture why from about the time i was Five, You know, I
1: have people, you know, they go, okay, the only other thing I wanted to be was a baseball player, right? Now, I'm going to go to majors, okay? But that dream gets squashed somewhere along the line, usually for a lot of people, you you know. So when, uh, probably from the time I was five, six years old, all I wanted to do was be an architect. I mean, my dad was a contractor. He was a carpenter. So I had been on projects since I was little. You know, I knew how to read plans when I was five. So it was something that came easy to me. And I just, it's what I wanted to do. What oh, yeah. I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. Architecture you know? plans, like oh and, yeah, structural blueprints. plans, blueprints, blueprints. Yeah, oh, I could read them when I was like five years old. So yeah. I could tell you I put a wall in. I could tell you how to do it. Where to nail nails. Where you know I knew what a wall was. I knew what a block wall was. What a brick wall was because it's all designated differently on architectural plans. So it, it was something that came easy and it was something I liked. And you know when I was little, my my dad had a garden. So yeah, and he hated me. As part of the garden because I would dig up the garden when he was trying to, you know, plant tomatoes and this. <laughs> I'd dig up the garden and build roads in the garden, dirt roads. And I'd use my matchbox cars and my Legos to build garages and stuff like that. And then put my matchbox cars around, put them in the garage and everything. You know, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so did you now, of course, I did some recon. You you, did you go all the way through with architecture? Yeah. yeah. OK. Um, yeah.
1: And then. Uh, then I moved to North Carolina. Okay, And became an intern architect with a small architectural firm out of Murfreesboro, North Carolina and hated it, hated it. The the process like the. Now, the process doesn't bother me. And, you know, it's probably just I had higher expectations of it, I guess. You know, when I think I think everybody does, you know, when you're 10 years old and you're in Little League and you're swinging a bat, you think you're going to be, you know, in my world, the next Buddy Bell or something like that. You know, in today's world, it's, you know, Jose Ramirez or somebody. Buddy right? Bell. Oh, yeah. I hey, got his hey, baseball Bell, card. Hey, he's good. He was great. <laughs> one of my favorites. Um, so, you know, you think you're going to be the next one, but, and, and I think that was the, the trouble with me with architecture. I thought I was going to be the next IMP or something, you know, or Gaudi or, and I ended up designing, um, bathrooms for nursing homes. Mm. So it was a little bit mm. deflating. <laughs> And it was a small firm too um so it was just it was just not what i expected i guess and um and i think i just didn't maybe in in retrospect when you look back maybe i didn't give it the time i should have but you're young you're looking at this and i did what for four years you know five years to do this Mm -hmm. yeah i don't think so you know and so i actually got hired Because at the time, you also took a lot of structural classes. You know, architecture's changed a little bit over the years. And so at the time, I got hired as basically a quasi-engineer, if you want to say that, with the idea that the company was going to then send me back to school to get my civil engineering degree. And so we did that. We completed it. And basically, you know, up until our developmental years here, about six years ago, I've been doing engineering ever since. And I love it. You know, it's something that I absolutely love. We designed bridges, you know, all over all over the country, uh, primarily in New York City for years. When I worked with the Concrete Company, um, we did a lot of bridge work up there, and um, and then we kind of expanded it, you know, from there and and started over into the steel side of things and and uh, working with steel and, and doing those kind of things. But I've loved it ever since.
0: So it all blends together, the architecture and the engineering. It, it really does. I mean, when you when you bring it in,
1: it's it's a little different nowadays because it's almost become like I, I would equate it to like. The doctoring field now where, you know, you have a, a general, a, a general doctor that you go to. He sends you to a specialist. Okay. Back in the old days, they used to do everything. Now, you know, if it's your foot, they send you to a podiatrist and so yeah. on and so forth. And now it's, it's pretty much the same thing. You know, with architecture, they, they draw the pictures, they put everything in, they get the ideas from everybody and then they let structural engineers and other people figure out how to make all that stuff come together. And work, okay. Okay. And, And so you're, you're solving problems, but they, they do work together and you can use one skill with the other and, and, you know, make something come out pretty nice, actually.
0: Okay. The only thing I know about architecture, I had to take a elective at Hiram. And, and to me, it's like, it is like the best trivia. When I ask people, is the columns like Doric or Corinthian? <laughs> that's all I know. After that, I don't know anything about architecture, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. but I can tell you those columns. I'm like, that's a, that's a Doric there column over up. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to skip past. Let's go back to the college life. Like, how mm-hmm. was college life for you? Great. Probably too great. Did you do sure. any pranks <laughs> then too? Were you
1: know the- Yeah, I partied a lot. <laughs> I mean, you know, you get to Kent and it's, it's pretty easy to do that, but I, I melded in pretty well. And, and the nice thing about it is, you know, one of my one of my best friends from here actually was my roommate we lived a small group in uh, in Kent and then uh, we all moved off campus together which was probably not the best thing to do so we had six guys and one girl living in a house uh, on Franklin Street in Kent but it was a lot of fun I mean we had really good parties and usually people were coming from Warren going to Columbus and they'd stop in Kent to our house. We'd have a party, and then they, you know, go on the oh, next man. day. Oh man, yeah, the whole party trip. Yeah, it was like Delta party House circuit. for crying out loud. It was, really, it was really not a good thing most of the time. So, but it was a lot of fun. Um, and we had a lot of, you know, the guys uh, that moved in there. I knew them all. They were good guys. We we pretty much got along most of the time, you know. And and it was a lot of fun. I mean, I I had a great time in college. Uh, you know, professors, things like that. It. You know, I'm not a real big school guy. Don't take me the wrong way on that. I think education is one of the most important things that you can have. It's what my dad taught me. Um, and it's one of the reasons why we got in, involved in some of the football programs here was on the education side with Stevie and those guys to make sure that, you know, that when these kids get out of school – you know they can go and they can continue their education because not everybody makes it in baseball or football or yes. you know, these kind of things. You and and most people don't. And you know you you find out very quickly when you crack your foot or you crack your arm and now you can't play anymore what am i gonna do and if you have education to to fall back on you know it's 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 always going to be there yeah so you know we we did our studies we knew what we needed to do and, and we pushed through and and obviously it became a very important part of my life and it's what it's what we do um but you know school was always tough for me because I just you know i didn't want to be there you know what i mean but it's an absolute necessary part of who you are, what you become and what you do. And, and it's, it's needed. I yeah. mean, and, and so I promote education a lot, even though to me, I probably wasn't the best student, you know, all the way through school.
0: Yeah. So. As a high school dropout, but get my shit together. <laughs> I emphasize. Telling you. Education. Yeah, you know? gotta have it. You gotta yep. have it. There's no doubt.
1: But yeah, college life, I, I can say I got the fullest extent out of my college career. It was, <laughs> it was a lot
0: of fun. So <laughs> I went in non-traditional. So I, I missed that part of. Did you really? Yeah, oh, I was right. non-traditional. That was you know what I mean? I didn't get to only, I think the only fun I had was learning how to pitch quarters. And drink. Oh, that's good because yeah, I did the yeah, weekend yeah. college, and that. I got okay. to hang with some of the traditional students. Absolutely, like, come yeah. on, deshaun <laughs> come on in. I'm like, oh, okay, let's let's oh, do this. We did plenty of that. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So you uh, let's jump to entrepreneurship. So mm-hmm. you you were working for a company you didn't like it with North Carolina. Yeah, mm-hmm. is, is that where the dive into entrepreneurship came from? No,
1: or? it was it was <clears throat> you
0: know kind of what we were talking about
1: earlier today. A story you were telling me a little mm-hmm. bit. So we were on the coast of North Carolina and um it was late 80s and the company I was working for they it was a big uh, real estate bus basically and the economy took a downturn downturn in 1989 88 89 and um they were selling our company off it was a uh, <clears throat> excuse me it was a uh uh subsidiary of a main company in New York City and they were selling us off they were closing us down done so I said to myself, what am I going to do? You know, and the company was still, they were still going to go on, but I decided at that time that I was going to do two things. I started the Marvin group. Um, there was going to be a small residential company uh, that I was going to do some things with my father because, you know, he, he knew the business, but we were also going to do some engineering consulting as well. The company that was closing down needed people to actually do engineering for him. So. That's kind of how we got started. So nineteen ninety one actually we we founded the Marvin Group, uh September of nineteen ninety one. And uh we started in that way, and then I think it was probably about ninety-four, we made a little bit of a switch, went more to the steel side of things rather than concrete design. And um we actually found out there was more money in distributing the steel than there was in actually doing the engineering design, so we started distribution. Okay, so we did the value engineering on one side, basically, if you want to say "quote unquote" for free, and then we supplied the steel. Were you scared when you took that took that jump? Well, you know, uh, it, I think it goes with everything. You know, I've got a I've got a great wife. Uh, I'm not saying that because my brother in law sitting beside <laughs> me, but uh, I do have a great wife, and I think the big thing about that is if you have that support on that side, then it makes that jump a hell of a lot easier to go into and and. and make it work. You have to have that support if, if you're at each other's throats or it's not because money gets thin. I mean, you know, there's there's no doubt we moved to to northern Kentucky, right across the river from Cincinnati at the time, so I could drive everywhere. And I was used to flying. I mean I had millions of miles back then and I was used to flying, but now this is gonna be a different realm. And so we moved there because I could hit Atlanta. I could hit St. Louis. I could hit Chicago. I could hit Detroit, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Uh, and I could do all this and drive, which was going to save a bundle of money as we were getting into it and be prepared that you don't take a salary for quite some time. Oh, brother. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, brother, but you got to have that balance in your life. And, and thankfully I did, you know, with her and, um, and, You know she knew what was coming and we talked about it as a matter of fact she she came up with the name the marvin group when we first founded it uh so she knew what was coming and and uh and we stayed in a small townhouse down there and and made it work i worked out of the basement and um and and that's just how we built it up and we built it up together and supported each other and you know when the funds were tight we knew what to do and when things got better, we knew what to do too. So it, uh, it's good to have that balance and everybody has to have that balance, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're going out on your own. You have to make sure that that support's there because if that support's not there from your family, your wife, um, it makes it that much more
0: difficult because money will get tight. There's no doubt about it. I, and it goes, you know, you mentioned communication where we were talking about English and how important all mm-hmm. this stuff is. And I remember when, when I told my, um, I told my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I told her, I said, I was leaving flying high. I said, we we Mm were talking about that earlier. I said, I think I'm going to just work for myself. Like, you know, cause it was a nonprofit, man. And and one of the hardest things I always say about nonprofit is that, um, that they, um, you never know at the end of, of the day, right? Right. Like the funding, you know, you might come in the office and they'll say, sorry, Hey, we didn't get that grant. (laughs) Exactly. how much time do I have? Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, two months. Right. You know, and you're, and you're looking, right? And so I remember walking in and telling, like, I, you know, I, I just want to start my own company. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I got to, you know, and I was bracing for the impact. Like, right. what the hell? Yeah, dude? yeah. Absolutely. You know, what I mean, yeah, like yeah. all the Ooh, things that happened. Sure. And she said, okay, yeah. And we talked about it. We planned about it. So you write that yeah. that whole entrepreneur thing. Yeah. We need to, you know, communicate with. Our, our partner. Absolutely. You know, because at the end sure. of the day, you know, like you said, when money get tight? Though, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like and it does. If you ain't had that communication. Right. It's going to be some issue. So yeah, it is. I say that to, to all my entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back because entrepreneurship isn't easy. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the struggles. Like well, how hard was it? Even though you prepared for it. Sure. Sure. I think, you know, there's different levels of
1: it. You know, it depends. It really does depend on what you're doing. OK, for example, if you're going to be a consultant, let's say you have a engineering degree and you have a professional registration and you're going to go out and you're going to be a consultant. That's a lot different than being, let's say, in distribution. OK, why? Well, first of all, because if I'm a consultant, I'm kind of sitting on my sitting on my ass a little bit and sitting in my office and I'm just doing calculations. Right. This guy needs something. This guy needs something. This guy needs something. I send it out. and I send him a bill. OK that's pretty easy it's not it doesn't necessarily require this you know big capital outlay because it's you doing your business if you're going to do go into distribution or manufacturing or any of that kind of thing the layout is so much more difficult because now you have to go out you have to have uh, established credit okay not only at the banks that you're going to deal with but also with vendors that are going to be selling you something so that's the, that's the struggle because you're coming out nine times out of 10, you're fresh. Okay. Nobody really knows who you are. So now you got to come in and you got to say, well, I'm, I'm me, you know, I'm, I'm the Marvin group. I'm downtown development group, whatever. And they say, well, yeah, we don't really care. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you mean you don't care? You know, I'm going to give you business. Yeah. What are you going to give me? You know, and so you have to establish that. You know, right off the bat and then to be very honest, I remember I, I had a, a great contact in New Jersey uh, And I, I called him up and I said look, you know, this is what I'm going to be doing. He said Can you do me a big favor? I said, yeah. he said I'll put you on credit. He said uh, Can you pay me in 10 days? And I said, yeah, I can pay you in 10 days. He said, all right He said you pay me in 10 days. We'll never have a problem. I said, okay So I got my first invoice from him paid him in 10 days. Okay Not a big deal from there on out did all kinds of business with the guy. But now I was able to use him on my credit application. So first credit application I turned in, I had that company and my American Express on the credit app. And this is for a manufacturing plan. They're looking at this, like, say, what? This guy's got. And thankfully, I, you know, I'd established a, a good connection uh, in Switzerland. And the guy said, give him a chance. Hmm. So that's all it give, takes, give me man. a chance. Yeah. And and that's all you need is, you know, and don't be afraid to take that chance. I mean, you, you, you know, you, you kind of flattered me a little bit with the opening there when you said that and all truth, turn my face red a little bit, but you know, you took a chance and, and that's really what you have to do. It never hurts to go out and have somebody, you know, say no to you. If they say no, they say no, you go to the next one. It is what it is, you know? And so you have to go out any entrepreneurs. That's part of, I think the biggest struggle is people have to get used to hearing no. No from the bank. You know, I remember when, when the plant that I was talking about was closing down, me and another guy put a business plan together. Um, I'm 26 years old, maybe something like that. And we go into the bank, you know, I had a full business plan. I looked it up, how to write a business plan for dummies and, you know, that kind of thing. And <laughs> yeah. went and wrote the business plan, right? And, 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 I thought I was, I thought this was great. I, I looked at it. I thought it was a masterpiece, right? So we go to the bank and they look at it and they actually took us seriously. And, you know, at the end of the day, they said, no okay i think we were asking for three hundred thousand dollars at the time you know and it was two hundred ninety nine thousand dollars more than i actually had and so they said no i said okay that's fine so of course we didn't buy the plant but you keep trying you know what i mean you you go to the next one and uh and that's what we did and i think those are the big you know when you look at those struggles you have to be be able to hear no but still continue you know mm-hmm. And then you have to rely upon the relationships. This is why when you first start out in business and you're in business working for someone else, it's it's very vital that you strike those relationships with older people, with people that have been in the business for years, people that can make one or two phone calls and say he's a good guy. Give him a chance, you know, and when you have that then you should be able to navigate the waters from there. But those are the biggest struggles. You got to be able to hear no. And I think that's,
0: that's tough for a lot of people is to hear the word no. It really is. My professor uh, Roger Cram at Hiram. He one day he was we were doing a class and he made this point to me. We talked afterwards about some things I was that was going on. And he said, "Well, what's the worst thing that can happen if somebody says no?" He said, "Are you going?" I remember he was like, "Are you going to die?" Right, yeah, 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 you know, exactly. Emphasized. Yeah. emphasized. They're like, yeah. no, I'm not going to die. He goes, no. "Well, that's it. That's the worst thing that can happen." That's it. You know, they just yeah. say no. So yeah. that or uh, you hear the voice in your ear when when someone you want to talk yeah. to is going down the sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, grandma's always in the ears. Somewhere, let me tell always, you. Always, man. Always there. I know that. Feeling. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you currently out, and I don't want to jump into a developer. Mm-hmm. And we kind of talked about that transition to going through. Yeah. Like, where did that come from? Is that a natural segue, or was it like, did you play Sim City and you no, know? <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Probably should have done that first, though. But <laughs> um, no, I mean, it it
1: was something I always wanted to do, you know. And uh, we, you know, we. We developed a couple of plants. We built them, uh, built a plant here on the west side of Warren, uh, built a similar plant in New Mexico. And with that, we actually bought the land. Uh, I designed the plants. Uh, of course we had subcontractors and everything come in and build the plants. Um, we acted as our own project managers and, and everything on the job. Wow. So once we got the plants built, we ran the plants. OK, and that's a whole different realm if you're not used to it uh, in manufacturing is actually taking what you think, you know, and you see and then actually doing it uh, in manufacturing. It's it's tough. And when you do two of them that are 2000 miles away, it's a little bit more difficult. So that gave us a little bit of developmental opportunity, which is something I always wanted to do. And it combines the architecture with the engineering side. OK, so it combines what you're good at, you know, and. So we did that, and in 2014, I guess it was, I had a company come to me, and as the godfather said, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. (laughs) And so I took their offer, and what that did was give me the capital then to make that development not only more of a reality, but it allowed me to do it on a much larger scale. And so when we took a look at what we could do with what we now came into and, and what we had, you know... We looked at Las Cruces where we, where we are. And we also looked in, in Warren. And we also looked at the demographics that were going on all over the United States, which is, you know, especially millennials are moving downtown. You know, they don't want to do yard work. They don't want to, you know, cut grass. They don't want to, you know, shovel snow. And, and some of them don't even drive. You know, it's like a lot of people I knew in New York City. So, you know, they, I said, well, this is, this is the thing that's happening. And, I looked at a couple of buildings here in Warren, and quite frankly, bang for your buck-wise, you couldn't find a better deal in in the entire United States, I don't think. Um, So it was the perfect storm for us because now I can come back home and I can have an impact on my hometown, um, and I can – do something good you know I and, and again we're a for-profit so and I, I never make that you know I, I never make any bones about it that's what we do we're we're here to make money absolutely um, absolutely but, but you kind of have the best of both worlds because you're back home and it gives you an opportunity to do something in your hometown and have an impact but you can also make money at the same time while you're doing it you know yeah. and so you, you get a good thing uh, going there and I think quite frankly being from the area um, it helps you understand the people, what happens with, you know, here, how to deal with the people and, you know, how to explain your story. You know, like, why should I go down? Why should I go into downtown Warren? It's dangerous in downtown. Warren. Really? I live there, you yeah. know, and when you tell people you live in, you live in downtown. Yeah, I live in downtown Warren. Yeah. Where? You know, I, you, I live in Moaning Building, you know. So, it's it's something then that you can say. It's like, I don't think it's dangerous down here because I live down here and I walk down here. You know, because when I'm walking to building a building, I'm walking. I'm not getting in my car and driving one block down the road. I walk. That's why you saw me that day. I was walking down to the Robins that day, <laughs> I think. So, you know, you, I can actually tell my story because I live that story. So, it's easier to sell a space in downtown Warren when you live that story. Right. And and that's kind of where we are right now. And so that it was just a natural development into into doing the development. um, And with the opportunities that that arose in Warren, we saw a city that was kind of at the bottom. And with the changes demographically that were happening, we saw the opportunity to really, I think, lift it back up. But we had a plan when we did it, too. And any developer that comes into any place always has a plan on what they want to do.
0: Yeah, restaurants, things like that. Mm-hmm. Do you ever, and this is all humbleness now. <laughs> I'm not saying you, but do you ever just stand outside and look, man, and just kind of feel good or no, just no, no, not even a little bit. Nah, you know, and it's it, not it, an arrogant. It's just like no, you, no, no. You, I, I, you've I yeah, helped. I would, like you, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think, and and I'll give you the reason why. You know, mm-hmm. I, the the biggest reason in my book why is. I think if you do that, then you're looking backwards. Mm-hmm. And I have a tendency to just look forward, okay? Um And I think, you know, at times then what what happens to Sean when you do that too sometimes is I think you can then have an arrogance about you. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're doing that, because I've had so many people tell me like – I had a guy come over to Robbins one day and he he thought the Robbins was uh, trademarked, you know, and he said, what are you going to call it? And I said, he said, I got an idea. I said, what's the idea? He said, why don't you call it the Marvin theater? I said, yeah, you'll never see my name on a building. And I'm not Trump, you know, but yeah. you'll never see my name on a building. And, and I think that's part of it. Like, I think sometimes when you have a tendency to step back and say that, then you, you can become a little bit arrogant. You can become a little bit into yourself. You know what I mean? and, and then if you start believing that thing, because there's been stories written me about me that are good stories. There's been stories written about me that are not so good stories. And I think if you believe any of it, I think that everybody or I hope that everybody would see that there's a middle ground somewhere in there. That's probably the right story, you right. know. And so for me, it's it's about looking forward, not looking backwards. Um, and don't get me wrong. There's times I will be honest about this. There's times that I I walk into the Robbins Theater, for example. And you always see something different when you walk into a place like that. And I'm amazed that our crew was able to do what was done over there. Mm. And you, a lot of times you don't see that impact until people come up to you and they, and they talk to you about what they see. You know, we had a, we had a guy in there the other day, our, our box office girl, Stephanie, um, wasn't sure if she should do it or not, but one of our sound guys were there and his, his daughter walked up and said, Hey, my dad's out of, out of town. He's 80. You know, could could he go into the theater? Okay, and this was midweek, you know, and she's why well, I, I can't get into the theater and but she knew our sound guy. She's like, "I hope you don't mind." And I said, "No. I actually don't mind." So this 80-year-old man goes in, our sound guy lets him in, walks him all around the whole theater. So he's coming down the big steps from the from the rotunda and he's crying. He's mm-hmm. bawling. That's the impact. Okay? For me, that's You know, that's the thing that gives me that uplift, that spirit. It's not looking and saying, Oh, look what I did over there. Okay. But when a guy comes down, when I can impact an 80 year old man, you know, maybe a war vet, who knows? Okay. When I can impact a guy like that and he comes down with, with tears in his eye. Okay. That's my joy right there. That's what I love, you know, Mm -hmm. that I can have that kind of impact. on a person. I think that's what everybody wants to do, or I, I would hope yeah. you want to have that impact. You know, teachers teach for a reason. Good teachers teach for a reason. They teach because they have impact on students' lives. And, you know, through architecture, through engineering, you have impact on people's lives too. I Absolutely. mean, and some people don't see that. Some people don't know it. I remember the first time I was in Italy and I saw the statue of David. It impacted me in a way that I'd never thought. I mean, here's a statue done, you know, thousands of years ago and uh i i looked at it and i i sat down and just stared at it you know this guy did it with a with a um wooden hammer and and a chisel and he actually carved the guy's veins in his arm and i'm standing two feet away from a place i never thought i'd be okay kid growing up on cottage court you don't think you're gonna end up in a Fizi museum in italy right but it was a huge impact that's the kind of impact that you know i would like to have on people there's there's You know, you can look back at some point in time, maybe, and say, when you're an old man, did I have a legacy? And, you know, you can have a legacy through your kids. You can have a legacy through, you know, your your impact on people and things and and lives. And, uh, you know, I hope that that, that's maybe mine. You know, again, if I can have an 80-year-old man walk down those stairs and it impacts him in that way, that's beautiful for me. That's absolutely beautiful.
0: Good, good. Yeah, man. Uh, So, I'm hoping that our listeners understand, because I posed that question, because I, I wanted you and it, and it wasn't a thing of arrogance. It's just like mm-hmm. I look out the window sometimes because I remember by four o'clock, man, that's it. People right. people leaving from the jobs mm-hmm. after four four thirty ain't nothing happening that no, time. That's right. Yeah. And now you know you look out one day. I remember I hearing this voice that I've known all my life, and it's my uncle sitting in the the pavilion playing his bass guitar, <laughs> singing. There's people over here, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, picnicking. And then there's people going into eject and restimate like the activity. Right. You know, and things like that. And so, you know, when I had posed that question, it's like the impact, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a variety of people, but you kind of just like the impact. Cause right. you know, no one maybe knows, you know, the development that was done down here. Right. It, right. But the quality of life that's going on. Absolutely. It's a whole
1: change of quality of life. And, and, and that's, that's what's important, you yeah. know? And, and, and that's why I like to see it. I, you know, I, I walk around downtown. Most people don't know me and, and I love it that way. I mean, you know, we, we owned the atrium building for years and I walked in, I was on the telephone one day and I walked into the building and we owned it and. Um, you know, the lady started yelling at me, okay, because uh, she's pointing at the sign, you know, that said no cell phones, right? And I just, yeah, yeah, okay, fine, you know. So, Jimmy walked in and, you know, she, that guy's not supposed to be on. She's like, he said, you know who that is? She's like, no, he's not supposed to be on the phone. He said, he owns the building. And she turned around and went back in the office. <laughs> but I'm not going to be the one yeah. that, that tells her that. And, you know, it's funny because we we were doing a, a – uh one of our events that, that was going on at the, at the Robbins Theater and they gave you, you know, two, two tickets for drinks. I think it might have been United Way or one of the events, you know, and you had two ticket drinks. And so my wife was with me. And so we walked through and she kind of went off with, uh, I think it was the, the lady from Jack to Angela and, um, they were walking around and they were having a couple. So she, you know, used her two drink tickets. Okay. So they went up to get another drink and and he said, Oh, that'll do you have your tickets and she said, Oh no, I don't have a ticket, you know and he said, Oh, well that'll be four bucks or something like that, I forget and the the lady she was with from Jack said, Does it make any difference if she owns a building? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Miss Smart, but my wife's the same way. You yeah. would never hear her say one word about any of that kind of stuff. She just, yep. you know, and she would have pulled four bucks out of her pocket and she would have paid for it. It wouldn't have been a big deal, you yep. know, or she would have called me and said, hey, I left my money at home, which is, <laughs> <laughs> she knows how to do. But, um, you know, and, and she'll be the same way. So and and I like it that way. I prefer to, you know, walk into a place and sit down and and have a meal or do whatever, whether it's Charbonnets or, you know, whatever. And. And just hang out, you know, and and that's that's me. That's that's what I like about it.
0: You blend in very well. Like it's, I it's not that. that. You, you do, man. Just <laughs> just very well. Um, I want to go to some expert stuff a little bit. Mm-hmm, I want sure. to through, through your lens, and I want to talk about economic development or mm-hmm. community development. I, I sometimes I think they're different, but some people they're same. I'm I'm just coming from a layman's you know kind mm-hmm. of lens. But to you, what does good economic development look like?
1: Well, I mean when it it depends on where you jump in you know what i mean like if if you take an area or whatever that is and and if you're talking about economic development it's better than just development okay because we can take the plant on the west side of town and say we built a plant on the west side of town all right and it affects 65 people you know in the air because that's how much it employs but there's a lot larger impact to it maybe outside of the region But if you start with the plant and then you come in and you start developing a whole different thing with that, um, economic development becomes community development, especially in a downtown region. Okay, because what happens is, you know, people ask me all the time, why did you make condos in the Mahoning building and in? 118 and 124 north park why did you do condos why did not you do apartments you know there's a lot of people looking for apartments one of the reasons and i think if you start at the bare bones basic of of economic slash community development okay you have to have people that are vested in wherever that is okay what's the best way to get people vested in that oh you can you can rent space to a retail shop you can rent space to a, a restaurant but they might be gone in a year. You know, hey, it didn't work out. I'm out of here. But if you sell a condo and it's marketed and sold as a condo, those people own it. So their neighborhood now, especially in, in for right now, let's talk about the downtown. OK, mm-hmm. um, they own downtown. Those people, their front yard is Courthouse Square. So what happens is they become very concerned about safety. They become very concerned about cleanliness. Um, all of those things, they become extremely concerned about. And so they're vested now they're vested in downtown. So now they go to their community leaders and they say, we want this. We'd like this. We'd like this. I remember when they took the trash cans out because they were doing some stuff along the road. And, uh, I mean, everybody complained, Hey, where's our trash cans at? I mean, you know, you got Tom Duma who's been here forever and he's going to stay down here. Okay. He's vested in downtown. He owns that building and he's vested. And so he cares, you know, and so he's going to complain when you you pick up the garbage cans and you don't bring them back. All right. And that's what happens when you do. So that's like the first foundation of is you get the people vested in downtown and then you get people then believing. And I think in this area, it's been tough because you see GM go, you see Packard Electric go, you see the steel mills die and. It's hard for these people, and you see the Browns not get to the Super Bowl every year, okay? It's hard for these people to oh, yeah, there's good things on the horizon, you know? And and I think that once they see good things, you know, then they start understanding that, hey, maybe, maybe it's our turn. And that's what we did for when we looked at this, we said, what do we need? We need people downtown. We need bodies downtown. We had a whole different idea of what to do with the atrium. We were going to make it like a mini Tower City but we had this company come to us coleman professional and they said hey we'd like to be in this building we talked about it jimmy and i talked about for a while and we said you know that's at the time it was like 35 bodies downtown and then they expanded they expanded again now it's like 65 bodies downtown well what does that do you know well you got 65 people downtown they got to go to lunch somewhere okay they got to park somewhere and then they see well you know what I'm going to just call my husband, my girlfriend, my wife, my whatever. And um I'm going to tell him to come down and meet me at Weston, Maine. Or I'm going to tell him to come down and meet me at Jack for, you know, for dinner tonight. Okay. Oh, okay. And then they walk past the marquee at the Robbins Theater. and Oh, geez. I didn't know that was playing. You know, I'm going to go. I'm going to go look at that. I'm going to go watch that. Or I'm going to go get tickets for that show. So the impact that that 65 people ha- have on downtown spreads, you know, that much further out. Absolutely. I'm going to go around the corner to Subway and have, you know, or Burger King or something. Um, It gives them that much more business too, and then when these people say that somebody else is downtown, it's really a snowball effect because now somebody else says, "You know what? I think I want to be downtown." Yeah, I think I want to be downtown. You know, I mean, we bought Jeans Jewelers Building. It's called the Jeans Jewelers Building, One Twelve North Park. Now everybody knows it, and actually, nobody knows it is Jeans Jewelers. Everybody knows it is Nova Coffee. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Shout Nova. out to Nova. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Nova Coffee's got a, almost like a cult following, okay? And those boys do a great job. I mean, uh, John and Logan do just a fantastic job and they knock it dead, but who would think that you'd get that kind of crowd? You know, there's a lot of young people that go in there and you get that kind of crowd. And I've sat in there, you know, day in and day out. Um, you know, I've, I have meetings in there. Uh, I've met you in there, okay? Yeah. And I sit there and I, uh, you know, while I'm talking to these people, I watch. I watch that influx of people in and out. And, and there's a lot of people just stop beside the curb, come in, get what they need, go back to, you know, and, and head down the road. But that's the kind of impact. Once you get people vested in downtown, once you get that safe, secure feeling downtown, what happens is, more comes more people want to buy buildings, more people want to invest, you know, more people look at bigger developers that develop manufacturing facilities and buildings. They look at this and say, Hey, there's a quality of life down there. We like that. We're going to come here. Okay. So it it has a
0: broader scope impact too. So stand along with that. You know, we <clears throat> have, uh, was ultimate Altium battery mm-hmm. TJX and all this, you know, mm-hmm. they, they're building that out Yeah, and there are going to be people who have to, or considering to relocate, you know to this area mm-hmm. you know to the valley sure um being a Warren native um have an investment in Warren. Mm-hmm. um you know ride or die warned i mean mm-hmm. you know not saying that that's the only this is the only place you do business right, of course, right. but sure. just from Warren, um what would you tell someone considering they got Warren on the short list of you know mm-hmm. they're coming from colorado or wherever sure. consider here what would you tell them um about the city why should they move here
1: well you know and and putting my prejudice aside because I'm from here, okay, right. and, and and looking at it, I can actually, you know, from, from my point of view, I can speak to that actually um, very knowledgeable because when we came here, we had also a group of people with us that were from Europe, and they didn't know the area. They didn't know anything about it. So, when we started getting into our negotiations and things we were going to do, you know, you have a workforce here that – for example, let's, let's just take Las Cruces, New Mexico, that I know very well and I live in Warren, Ohio. Okay. When we were hiring people for Las Cruces, we had a big job up in, um, in Seattle as a tunnel job and it was going to require us to do three shifts. Okay. Nobody in Las Cruces knew how to do shift work. Hey, hey you're going to be on second shift. Uh, what's second shift? okay oh wow what do You mean what second shift yeah i never heard of that what What? you know what, what's that mean so it means you're gonna be working from like three o'clock till 11 o'clock at night oh i don't know if i like that you know and then you tell people they might be working 11 till six in the morning oh, but, you really don't like that right yeah, exactly <laughs> but you come here and you have a workforce that's ready you have a workforce that's knowledgeable about that they know what it means um it, it doesn't scare them and um you know, I remember when we built the plant, you know, we went out to the electricians union shop and, and we sat with them and we talked with them. And I looked around. I got a was lucky enough to get a tour through there on their low voltage and their high voltage side. And I was completely blown away at, at the level of, of education that they give these guys coming out of, um, the, the electrical union and, and their entrepreneur, their, um, uh, what they do at the beginning to come through and everything. I'm like, wow, this is, this is an amazing program here. And so when I'd bring somebody, if I brought somebody in, I would show them all of that. I'd show them the plant that we built and I would show them downtown Warren. I wouldn't shy away from it in in the least, you know, and I would tell them my story, you know, and I think there's a lot of people in Warren, even, you know, in some of the political office and stuff like that, that can tell their story. Hmm. <clears throat> and, Tell what the region is. You know, there's a lot of people that don't know how big of a steel manufacturing area this was, how big of a, you know, light bulb manufacturing facility area this was, believe it or not. It was the second largest manufacturer of light bulbs in the world. In the one world? Point in the world at one point in time. You didn't know that.
0: No. That's what and I'm they, not.
1: so there's, you know, they they don't know the story about the Packard brothers, you know. And so you got to sell the history of this area to those people that are coming in so they understand where the people from this area come from too. And I think once you sell that history, once you sell that resolve that that that's here, okay, you'll get people to come. Okay.
0: So you got all this stuff going on. Now, this is and this is especially good for my entrepreneurs out there because we we need this because we got different eggs going on, we got this going on, this thing. Mm-hmm. How do you you know how do you find time to balance?
1: Well, I mean, <clears throat> it's, it, it's, and we talked about it earlier, you know, when I said you have to have that balance and, you know, there, there's a point at which you, you've got to shut it all down, you know, um, and, and do something else. And, and so for me, I have a couple of ways of doing that. And, you know, sometimes, and, and I've, I've said this all along, you know, like, like me and my wife eat together, um, unless I'm on the road, we eat together every night, just the two of us. Okay. I don't put my phone on the table. It doesn't come to the table with me. The phone doesn't come into the bedroom or the shower or anywhere else with me. The the phone stays where it belongs. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that helps us talk. Okay. And people might say, ah, that's kind of weird, but no, it's really not. Okay. It just helps us talk. Uh, You know, sometimes talk is, is arguing about something. I didn't like this. or I didn't Like, and you, and you work it out okay and of course I'm you know I've been a Browns fan uh, Indians fan you know my whole life and you know during the season we had season tickets uh you know COVID kind of screwed a lot of stuff up but one of those downtime things was to on Sunday take you know a group of guys whether it be some business guys or friends or whatever and go up to the Browns games and and you take 4 or 5 hours and you just relax you watch a game okay it's not really relaxing watching the browns but you know <laughs> right. um, but you know that's that's part of it and and I'm a big car guy so for me um especially when I'm out west for me it's getting in one of the cars and taking it about 100 miles an hour down the road and literally 100 120 down the road cuz I can do it out there and get away <laughs> with it most of the time and and turn the music up real loud and just get away from a lot of stuff you know and I believe it or not. The other way I do it is on every Sunday. I wash my truck I wash if I if I took a car out I dry I wash the car and I love doing it because I'm by myself I'll put some earphones in I'll listen to music and it just clears my head. Nobody bothers me. Nobody's around me um, The phone's not ringing because I don't have it with me and I just wash the car or I wash the truck and it puts me in a different world it energizes me or re-energizes me, and I'm ready to go. You know, it's that's on a Sunday, and the week's coming up again. Start on Monday and hit the, you know, hit the pavement running. And that clears my head and lets me do
0: that. Alone time. It took me and my wife, it took her to understand that I need alone time mm-hmm, sometimes, sure, you know what I mean? Sure. Like just, I don't care if I'm just binge watching Netflix and, mm-hmm. and and not doing it, but I need that. But, you know, also, and I've learned to do this probably within the last year and a half, like putting that phone away. Yeah. yeah, yeah I like how you said that. Just. Yeah. It's no. not at the table. It just goes where it goes. That's right. And, and I think that's very important too. Yeah, we,
1: we've, we've all become so attached to these phones, you yep. know, and, and, and admittedly, I love technology and, and I'm probably just, you know, as bad as anybody else on it. But one thing I, I won't do. And, and even, you know, if I'm at dinner, uh, out to dinner, whether it be with clients or whether it be with my wife, I never pick up the phone. You will not see me. And we've had comments made that, uh, her and I have had comments at restaurants made like, you guys sat here for two hours and you just talked. Oh. You know, we're not playing on our phones. We're not, and you know, it was comical. I was, I was away, uh, one year on, at, uh, on, uh, Valentine's Day. Okay. And I, I had some a business conference and so wasn't thinking that it was Valentine's Day. And, and so, when we made reservations, it was difficult to make reservations to go out with the guys I was with, right? So mm-hmm. we had uh, three of us, me and two other guys. Like, you know, it's Valentine's Day, you know? So it was kind of weird. And like, yeah, but we're on a conference. Okay, well, there's a limited menu, so you're gonna have to, you know, it's it's in pairs. And we're like, well, okay. So we had four filets instead of, you know, three. <laughs> I was with a couple big guys, so I think we can handle it, right? But what was funny about to us is, we're three guys sitting at the table, okay? We're watching all these couples come in for Valentine's Day, all right? And, you know, you'd see this younger couple come in, and boom, as soon as their asses hit the seat, right? They're on the phone. They're texting. I'm like, wait a second. You're with your date. Who the hell are you texting, you know? Yeah. And we had a kick out of this. So, we sat there the whole night, right? We're eating. We're having a couple of drinks. And we're just watching all these couples come in. And literally, I would probably say to you, 80% of them came in. Then 20% were probably your... 55, 60 year olds and above that didn't sit down and take the phone out, right? Every other one of them sat down. As soon as they hit the seat,
0: they're texting. Wow. We uh where was we went out to dinner. We do this too, and I never want to be that person, but you will see couples, older couples and, and younger couples, mm-hmm. and they literally sit across the table and they don't say one word. No. Not no. even a word during dinner. Not that we're trying to spy on them or something like that, oh, but no. it's interesting. It's human behavior, it's, it's social hilarious. science yeah. It's like Nothing. They don't no. say anything. And, no. and maybe a couple things and then they pay the bill and they go. Yeah. And I'll be like, we ain't never, like, because me and my wife, we'll play dozens on each other across the table. Like, we just have fun with each other. Like, even if we got to do that, we we're not, we're not going to be in our phones no, doing that. No, you know what I mean?
1: You'll never see us do that. Yeah, it's it's and and we do, we'll we'll laugh at it as well because I'll say something to her. I'll say you know I've been watching that couple where they haven't talked to each other since they sat down. You know, mm-hmm. fifteen minutes. You come by him said a other. word each other. And, and it's funny, you know. And and we so we'll do you know we'll do that too. We watch him and we look mm-hmm. at him and we'll make a comment like that. But I mean, it's for us, it's you won't see us take a phone out when we're you know when when we're out to dinner and it's just something that you know it's a rule that we've made and you know when i worked in the basement all those years when i when i get to the top of the stairs and come through that door all of this stuff that i had downstairs all that work stuff it ended okay and Mm -hmm. we'd sat down we'd sit down we'd eat dinner and we talk about you know whatever you know but when i hit that door everything else got left downstairs that was
0: it so this is a weird question for me because i you know but I think everybody gets inspired by someone who inspires you.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, in all honesty, uh, I think the person that inspired me the most in, in all reality, and I know this might be a cliche, but, you know, it it, it was my mother and father, you know, and, and I would I would probably even go if, if I had to. I'd I'd probably go as deep as my my grandmother on my mo- on my mother's side. Um, it, You know, my dad was all about education. And so he taught me that and it was a very valuable lesson growing up, especially when you get hurt playing sports. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I watched him go to work every day. I watched him, you know, in in his trade, he almost cut off his hand one day and he wrapped a, you know, wrapped a towel around it and went back to work. OK, it's just the way it is. You know, my mother was very religious. I didn't follow in those footsteps, obviously, but she was very religious and, and it gives you a base, you know, and, and both of them died young. And so my inspiration really comes a lot from their death, if you want to know the truth. And I, you know, I'm not trying to bring the program down, no, or anything, but no, this is what happens is open and candid. I look at this and I say to myself, you know, because they both died very young and I say, you got to grab everything you can grab while you can grab it because our time on this earth is, is not that long. And my grandmother, as I said, my grandmother always just said, tomorrow's promise to no one. Mm. And you got to remember that. So you got to live in the moment. You got to live in the day. I mean, you plan for the future, of course, and she always did. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's how you treat people. And, and, you know that, That's what that meant to me. So, you know, you got to treat people the way you want to be treated. The old golden rule. And you want to do the right thing because tomorrow you might not be here to take that back. Mm. And that's pretty important.
0: So, I always ask everybody their one word. <laughs> and I sent you a text this morning. You like, did oh, send me a text this morning. Make sure I emphasize that. And, I, and I'm always interested. There was a book I read. And, and there's, that's in other episodes if people want to listen on why I you know, read the book and what it did for me. But... Uh the prisons of the, the basis of the book is, you know, everybody has this one word that mm. kind of defines who they are, their their right. you know, mission or character or their core values or something. So right. and I've had some interesting ones on the show, you know, <laughs> and and they're judgmental they they make sense when you really know the person. Like right oh, that's about right. What is your one word? Dedication. Dedication. Yeah. You want to elaborate
1: on it? Sure. I'm dedicated to my craft. I'm dedicated to my family. I'm dedicated to my friends. I mean everything that I do, I dedicate my time to whatever that is that's going on. So, you know, if I have a friend that needs something, needs me, I'm I'm there. I dedicate my time to that person. That person, he or she, has my time. Okay. If you know we have to do this building or we have to do this today, I'm dedicated to that 100%. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm I I'm sure you probably seen me when we were doing the Robin theater with my coveralls on, walking down. That's dedication. That's, That's how you, that's how you survive in life. Okay. And business. So to me, like today we talked about, you know, Hey, what do you do to have balance? What do you do in business, entrepreneurship, things of that sort? And so, you know, to me, dedication crosses over to both lines. You can be dedicated to your family and friends. You can be dedicated to your craft. And yeah. so that's why dedication is my word.
0: I like that because with people, the myth, and I say this all the time, they think D five group, which is our, our marketing agency, mm-hmm. they think it means Deshaun uh, and it does not. Right. Dedication is one of those words. There you go. Diligent, you know what I mean. Decisive. Yep. So that D Absolutely. is not for me. Mm-hmm. But dedicated is exactly A. representative of that letter D. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. <laughs> All right, well, I got some fun stuff for you. It's so our little All lightning right. round. All right. <laughs> what'd, you, what, what'd you do when you seen that? Did you did you like? Oh my God! Here we go.
1: Nah, I, said, I, I guess I got to be on my game. Is
0: yeah. what I sound. No, you know if I'm gonna sit here and stutter around, or we'll see what happens. You no, know? it's just random stuff. You got ten sure. seconds to answer. Nothing sure. crazy. Um, let's start with the first one, which is name one thing that pisses you off. A bad attitude. What would you tell your 30-year-old self? Uh,
1: that's a good one. Um, I would tell them stay the course.
0: Would you rather time travel to the past or to go to the future? Future. A fruit you dislike? <laughs> Blackberries. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Should the Cleveland Browns add a logo to their helmet or not? Absolutely not. Keep it as is. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Traditional. My wife would say I'm a blank dancer. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, a smell that just brings you joy. A smell that you like, an aroma. Cherries. Mm-hmm. Like the, like fresh mm-hmm. cherries, you know, not the, yeah. not that jar. No, 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 not no. that crap. No, 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 not
1: bed, bath, and beyond <laughs> crap. No, no, no. Not, just out in the field. Yeah.
0: Cool, cool, man. Um, is there anything you want to let us know? Anything big happening that's, that's not security clearance stuff or anything like that? <laughs> but, you know?
1: No, I mean, we're, you know, we, we've got the, uh, South Main Plaza over here, the old Mickey's Plaza. We're, yes. we're finishing up, but we're about 80% there. and uh, we're, we're pursuing hard a grocery store for you know which i think a lot of people really want downtown oh um, heck yeah we've we've had a couple <laughs> conversations nothing solid yet and and uh, we're going to keep pursuing that that avenue and that path so you know hopefully and of course once we do that we'll we'll let everybody know but uh, we're we're still going to try to pursue and try to put one in the basement over there and and, and make that work um Robins theater's back yeah um, buddy. And, you know everybody to, the masks are off and and uh we're ready to rock and roll literally again and uh yesterday we made some some good announcements on some shows we have coming up uh kingfish uh has got he's a great blues guy he um he's coming up here pretty soon and wayne newton we announced uh mr las vegas uh, and a couple other ones jefferson starship and a real really good lineup that we have coming up so we're back and uh you know we when we built the place we made it we didn't do it on purpose. Didn't do it for COVID. That's for sure. But everything was touchless and everything like that when we built it. So it's, it's a really safe environment in there. So we're, we're hoping that the crowds come back and, um, uh, and start getting into it like they did when we first opened again. And, and we're looking forward to that. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at, we're always looking at opportunities. You know that, Deshaun. Yep. So we're, you know, we're seeing what comes up. We, we, um, you know, usually we, we play our stuff here and there and, and see what happens. And we're doing the same thing with, with where we're going now. Uh, you know, we're hoping, you know, something might go out on the the peninsula and there there might be some work done out there and we'll see what happens with, with that and how the city reacts to some of these COVID funds that they've got in and what they do with them, too. And we might bridge off of some of the stuff that they have going on. So, uh we're always looking for opportunity. We're going to see what happens.
0: Excellent, man. You know, I, I, I definitely, and I said it earlier, thank you for being on here. It means a lot, but. Yeah, sure. And, and, you know, like I said, for our listeners, you know, our audience, we, we're across the board with just, you know, curious people, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and, and it was important for me to not ask, every exact question like maybe you've been answered before but get some other you know nah, was good. The, was the dimensional you sure, the, the multidimensional sure. you so sure. I want to thank you. No I want to appreciate that and I want to thank you too. Thanks for having me on. certainly yeah, welcome. Yeah, and I also got to acknowledge uh your brother-in-law to your oh, side. Yeah. No he he in the studio. I'm not going you know he's off the mic but he here. You know Jimmy I got to give a shout out to him too. Absolutely. Another cool gentleman, another yeah. cool gentleman. I, it, it, you know, no difference in personality, kindness and stuff like that. Man, that's really cool. Nah, so. It's,
1: it's been a, to be honest, it's been a godsend. I mean, I've been married 32 years and, you know, between my sister and my brother-in-law, I couldn't ask for two better people. You know, there's no jealousies. There's no crossovers and the fighting and everything else. Yep. And, and, uh, I, I couldn't ask for better support. I couldn't ask for better people than, than those two. They've been, you know, our biggest supporters, and I'm glad you did give a shout-out to Jimmy because oh, he's absolutely. he's been one of my biggest uh, supporters over the year and, and, and mine to him, too. I mean, you know, he uh, I love him to death and
0: always will. Yeah, good people. Yeah. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you again for hitting the play button for this episode of Sound United Presents. On behalf of Kimberly Gonzalez and, of course, myself, we are signing out. This episode was produced by the Sound United Podcast Studio, led by Kimberly Gonzalez. Photography and video content produced by the D5 Group. And be sure to visit our website, soundunitedpresents.com, where you can catch up on all the episodes and get some behind-the-scenes content. I'm Deshaun Scott. Thank you for listening.